Welcome to the Holmesville Church of the Brethren. This is the worship service for November 27th, 2022. It is the season of Advent. In God's house, everyone is welcome. Those who seem like they have it all together, and those who feel like their world is falling apart. No matter who we are, there's room for us here. With that confidence, we turn to God in worship, speaking the truth of our lives.
Let us pray. God of today and God of tomorrow, you say, bring your full self, there's room for you here. But we say our lives are too messy. You say, bring your hopes and your dreams, there's room for you here. But we say it's too risky to hope. You say, bring your grief and your prayers, there's room for you here. But we say, some things are easier to forget. God of today and God of tomorrow, we know in our hearts that there's room for us here. Help us to remember today and tomorrow, there's room for every story. Amen. There is more hope somewhere. There is more hope somewhere. I'm going to keep on till I find it. There is more hope somewhere. Isaiah 2, 1 through 5, a word of hope. The word that Isaiah, son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest of the mountains, and shall be raised above the hills. All the nations shall stream to it. Many people shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways, and that we may walk in his paths." For out of Zion shall go forth instruction and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations and shall arbitrate for many peoples. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord.
Let us pray. God of Abraham and Isaac, God of Tamar and Ruth, God of Mary and Joseph, we bow our heads today hoping to catch a glimpse or a shimmer of you. We know that you are here with us just as you walked with every generation before, so we bring you our prayers. Thank you for creating space for us. Thank you for seeing our scattered thoughts, our imposter syndrome, our fragments of doubt, and still saying, come on in. Thank you for seeing our ordinary selves with anxious concerns and unflattering habits and saying, I have bigger plans for you. Thank you for seeing our fragile egos and our uncertain relationships and saying, you still belong here. Your expansive love makes room for each of us to breathe, and we want to love with our lungs and hearts full. So today we pray, teach us how to make that same room for others. When we come face to face with stories that are different from ours, show us how to add chairs to the table. When we find ourselves face to face with stories that frustrate and test our patience, show us how to build bridges instead of walls. When we find ourselves face to face with stories that feel foreign or unrelatable, remind us to open the door and to listen fully. From Abraham to Mary, you made room for every story, and that love continues to make room for us. Teach us to do the same for our neighbors, so this world will know love. With hope, we pray, using the words your Son taught us to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Our scripture today is Matthew 1, 1 through 17, but it is not the version you usually hear. It is a genealogy of Jesus Christ compiled by Anne Patrick Ware of the Women's Liturgy Group of New York. A genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of Miriam, or Mary, the daughter of Anna, Sarah was the mother of Isaac, and Rebekah was the mother of Jacob. Leah was the mother of Judah. Tamar was the mother of Perez. The names of the mothers of Haran, Ram, Abinadab, Nation, and Salmon have been lost. Rahab was the mother of Boaz, and Ruth was the mother of Obed. Obed's wife, whose name is unknown, bore Jesse. The wife of Jesse was the mother of David. Bathsheba was the mother of Solomon. Naamah, the Ammonite, was the mother of Rehoboam. Meachah was the mother of Abijam and the grandmother of Asa. Azubah was the mother of Jehoshaphat. 
The name of Jehoram's mother is unknown. Achaliah was the mother of Azariah, Zibiah of Beersheba, the mother of Joash. Jecoliah of Jerusalem bore Uzziah. Jerusha bore Jotham. Ahaz's mother is unknown. Abi was the mother of Hezekiah. Hephzibah was the mother of Manasseh. Meshaliamath was the mother of Ammon. Jedida was the mother of Josiah. Zabida was the mother of Jehoiakim. Nehushta was the mother of Jehoiakim. Hamutal was the mother of Zedekiah. Then the deportation to Babylon took place. After the deportation to Babylon, the names of the mothers go unrecorded. These are their sons, Jeconiah, Shealtiel, Zerubbabel, Abiad, Eliakim, Azor, and Zadok, Echim, Eliud, Eleazar, Mathan, Jacob, and Joseph, the husband of Mary. Of her was born Jesus, who is called Christ. The sum of generations is there, 14 from Sarah to David's mother, 14 from Bathsheba to the Babylonian deportation, and 14 from the Babylonian deportation to Miriam, or Mary, the mother of Christ. Genealogies are interesting, mainly if they are your own. I know a lot of people who have done deep genealogies. Laura did some digging in our ancestry, and she handed Mom a family tree that takes her ancestry back to England on her mother's side. My Aunt Mabel did a genealogy for my dad's side of the family. I am sure that any of you who have done a genealogy can name a few surprises. Becky's mother found Jewish ancestors who homesteaded on the Nebraska Plains. Marty's ancestors include a professional buffalo hunter. According to my mother, my great-grandfather Hatton began looking into his ancestry and found a pirate, Forsyth Hatton. He said he quit looking after that. He didn't want to find anything worse. For royalty, genealogy is more important for us than for us common folk. If we look at this genealogy of Jesus, we can see illustrious names, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, King David, King Solomon. And Matthew makes a point of counting 14 generations from Abraham to David, 14 generations from David to the deportation, 14 generations from the deportation to the Messiah. It is all tied up in a neat little package, Matthew seems to say. Here, this shows who Jesus is. This shows where Jesus came from. Patriarchs. Royalty. Except, except there is this. Judah, the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar, and Perez, the father of 
Hezron, and Hezron the father of Aram, and Aram the father of Amminadab, and Amminadab the father of Nation, and Nation the father of Salmon, and Salmon the father of Boaz by Rahab, and Boaz the father of Obed by Ruth, and Obed the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of King David, and King David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah. Right there, right there in the middle of the genealogy, amongst all these illustrious men, there are four women. Four women, Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, and Bathsheba, who is called the wife of Uriah. These four women, none of whom, strictly speaking, is even a member of God's chosen people, these four foreign women were chosen to be named in Matthew's genealogy. Without any one of these women, the lineage of Jesus would be completely different, and I would argue would be the poorer, because these women were something else. These women were fierce, and they would not allow themselves to be erased from the story. First up, Tamar. Tamar was a Canaanite woman married to Judah's firstborn son, Ur. Ur died, leaving no offspring. According to Jewish law, Tamar was then married to Judah's second son, Onan. The Levirate marriage was arranged so that Ur's line would not die. Any children born to Onan would technically belong to his deceased brother, Ur. But Onan refused to do his duty by his brother. Then he too died, leaving Tamar childless. According to the law, Judah should then have given his third son in marriage to Tamar. But Judah waffled. What if he gives his son Shelah to Tamar and he too dies? Maybe there is something evil about Tamar. So he told Tamar to wait. Shelah is too young to marry, he says. When he is of age, Shelah will marry you, he says. So Tamar waits and waits. Shelah comes of age. Still, Tamar waits. After so long, it becomes obvious to Tamar that Judah is not going to do his duty by her. He is leaving her a widow unjustly, a childless widow, sent back in disgrace to her father's house. Judah is trying to erase Tamar from her family's story, but Tamar will not be erased. One day, Tamar hears that Judah, now a widower, is going to attend a sheep-shearing festival, so she cooks up a plan. She puts off her widow's weeds and dresses herself in her finest clothing. She covers her face and she sits by the city gate, waiting for Judah to pass by. Of course, when Judah is passing by, he sees her. He desires her. 
Her face is covered. And what woman would be sitting in the city gate with her face covered but a Kadisha, a public woman, a prostitute? So he offers her a deal. He will send her a baby goat in return for her company that night. Well, fine. But her plan involves an unmistakable piece of evidence. So she asks for his signet, his cord, and his staff. Judah willingly agrees. The transaction is completed. Judah, a good man of business, sends a friend with the goat in payment to the Kadisha he has made the deal with. But of course, when the friend goes to find her, she does not exist. He asks around. No one has heard of any Kadisha there. So he goes back to Judah with the news. Three months later, word gets back to Judah that his widowed daughter-in-law is with child. He is incensed. He demands that she be burned to death for her sin. But as she is being brought out, she asserts that she has proof of the father's identity. And wouldn't Judah just like to know who the father is? She sends him his own signet cord, and staff. Judah, struck with what he has done, admits the truth. She is more in the right than I, since I did not give her to my son, Selah. So he does what is right by her, giving her the children he had denied her, and she becomes an ancestor of King David. Tamar will not be erased. Rahab, unlike Tamar, really was a prostitute, or at least a woman of business. She had a house in the city wall of Jericho. Yes, that Jericho, where Joshua fought the battle and the walls came tumbling down. She had heard about the Israelites and about their God, whom everyone had come to respect and to fear. So when Israelite spies show up at her house, she hides them from the Jericho guards. Then she makes a deal with them. She will help them escape out of her window on the outside of the city wall if they promise to protect her and her family. She says she will put a red cord outside her window during the battle so that Israel will know that her house is the one to protect. The deal is made, and Rahab and her family are spirited out of the city into the Israelite camp, where she becomes the wife of Salmon and the mother of Boaz, who himself in turn takes a foreign wife, Ruth. Rahab will not be erased from the story. Enough has been said about Ruth that we do not have to retell the whole story here except to note that, like Tamar, like Rahab, she is a foreigner. In fact, she is a Moabite, an enemy of Israel. And she, too, possesses herself 
making her own choices in a world where women did not have lots of choices. She proposes marriage to Boaz, perfumed, decked out, and alone on a threshing floor. And she becomes the mother of Jesse, the father of King David. Ruth will not be erased from the story. Then there is Bathsheba, the wife of Uriah. King David's troops were at war while he lounged at home. He was on the roof of his palace and saw her bathing, and he wanted her. Never mind that she was married to his commander. Never mind that she was in no way married to David. What King David wanted, King David got. So he went into her. And a few weeks later, when she knows she is expecting his child, she sends him word. King David first tried to get Uriah to go home and sleep with his wife in order to cover up his own crime, but Uriah is too conscientious to do so. So King David sends Uriah to the front lines to be killed. Then he takes the widowed Bathsheba for one of his many wives. Of course, it is not as if no one knows what is going on. The prophet Nathan takes David to task for his sin, and the baby Bathsheba is carrying dies as punishment. But before anyone gets the idea that Bathsheba is the passive victim in all this and nothing else, remember that Bathsheba was the one who got her own son, Solomon, to be the heir to David's throne. She had agency, and she was not unwilling to use it. Bathsheba refused to be erased from the story. Four women. Four foreign women. Four women with some questionable antecedents who were nonetheless not afraid to do what they could with what they had. Four women with a past. Four women with a story of courage, of loyalty, of faith. Four women who refused to be erased from the story. And what does this story say to us today? It says that in God's family, there is room for every story. There is room for Tamar, for Rahab, for Ruth and Bathsheba. There is room for you and for me. None of us has to be erased from the story. Because God's story is for everyone. The kingdom of heaven includes all of us. It doesn't matter where you came from. Your race, your culture, your particular way of life doesn't matter. Your old sins don't matter. What matters is that God in Jesus Christ has reached down and lifted you up. God's story has become your story. God's family has become your family. God's love is big enough to embrace all. 
generation to generation, there is room for every story. Let us pray. O God, in thankfulness we acknowledge our spiritual ancestors, Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, and Bathsheba. Thank you for these courageous women who refuse to be erased from Jesus' story. May we, too, add to that story, generation to generation. In Jesus' name, amen. As you leave this place, may you go knowing that from generation to generation we have been claimed and loved. From generation to generation, God has been by our side. From generation to generation, we are not alone. The God of yesterday and the God of tomorrow knows you by name, loves you, and calls you forth, saying, Go be the person you are called to be. Love wildly, do justice, and come back soon. May it be so. Amen.